Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunes, and today the plan is to spend a little bit of time recapping the international FIBA World Cup performances of Demonte Sabonis, who has been playing for the Lithuanian national team, Chemezi Metu, who has been playing for the Nigerian national team, and Alex Len, who has been playing for the Ukrainian national team. Um, I've been watching all of these games. Some of them are a little bit of an easier watching experience than others, that's for sure. Uh, But been getting through these to kind of see how some of the guys that Sacramento has on their roster are performing in these international competitions. And it's only going to be myself today. We'll see how long I actually end up running here for. And I will say uh, at the very beginning, I've actually been doing live streams of these games and running for about three or four hours a day. I think I've gone four days in a row now uh, watching some of these games. I figured I'm watching the film. I might as well stream it and let some of you guys watch as well and and maybe participate. And it's fun streaming and somewhat building a community, excuse me, and interacting with people in the process of watching games that I would watch anyways. It makes it a lot more watchable for me. Uh, you know, uh, sitting there going through some Ukraine games is a whole lot easier when I have a chat to interact with instead of uh, just having to watch Alex Len Ukraine games by myself. I'm not going to lie. So the plan today, again, is to go through these three different players. And I think the one to start with is just pretty easily DeMontis Sabonis. You know, he's obviously the highlight of not only Sacramento's normal roster, but also all of their players who are playing in the World Cup. And I will say at the beginning, I did really try to understand what's going on with these World Cup qualifiers and who's playing for what purpose and what games need to be won in order to qualify for the World Cup. And it's a lot. I, uh, yeah, you can try to read into it. And if you have some sort of understanding, please let me know. But it is tough. So I, I have a pretty poor gauge, to be honest, on what games mean what. Um, you know, actually, there's one other player that I'm going to mention as well is totally Namias Keda. Um, I don't know how I ended up sleeping on that and didn't include him accidentally in this banner that I have going on in this overlay as well. But that is absolutely some one of the other players that we're going to be talking about here as well. He's been playing for Portugal and uh, he's an important one to touch on here as well. He's actually one of the more entertaining games to watch compared to uh, some of these other ones. Like I said, Ukraine is probably um, probably the the toughest one to actually sit down and power through. But yeah, Namias Keita will be in here as well, who again has been playing for Portugal. So the plan is to start with Demontis Sabonis. And Demontis Sabonis has been playing for the Lithuanian team, obviously, and, and he's playing alongside Jonas Valanciunas. And Sabonis, I guess you would say, is the four between that pairing. Offensively, Sabonis has been as expected. You know, we only got 15 games of him as a member of the Sacramento Kings, which is something I've also been watching on the live stream, by the way, kind of slowly getting through the 15 different games that he's played as a member of the Kings. And you get a taste for 
the lack of spacing and hopefully gives an idea of what an improved spaced lineup will look like going into next season. But him playing the four alongside Jonas Valanciunas can be a little bit intriguing for people that are thinking that maybe he should play alongside Rashawn Holmes here and there. Um, I don't know that I fall into that category, but you definitely can see it. And they're running the offense through Sabonis more often than not is is a lot of what I have seen happening. Um, and I, I think that's encouraging. The, the playmaking obviously is a big plus for Sabonis. That's been a known thing. It's one of his better aspects for his entire career, really. And that's continued into the World Cup. And just to go through some of these numbers, you know, he's been playing... Um, a couple friendly games. He's played seven total games. Five of them have been friendlies and two have been part of the FIBA World Cup actual qualifiers that that matter. And that's what we've uh, that's what we've seen so far. And the first two games that he played were against Finland, actually. And Finland, uh, the only NBA player that they have on their roster is Laurie Markkanen and Markkanen only played for that first game, but Sabonis has put up all right numbers in both of those 10 points in both of them, um, along with six boards in the first nine in the second. And you see three assists in the first four in the second. Um, often he's sitting around this, like somewhere between four to six assist mark in a lot of these games. And there's a lot of running through the post with him. And I think that's something that we're going to see more often with Sacramento this next year. I mean, obviously, whenever Sabonis gets aboard, he more often than not takes it himself in transition. And it's pretty exciting, to be honest, when you see Domas get aboard and and take a dribble and take it down the floor himself. Like, I'm just expecting good things to happen, which says a lot for a guy that's 6'10". I posted some clips on my Twitter, and you can kind of see the ball handling that he has for a guy his size is really impressive and kind of an outlier. There's not many players his size that are putting on dribble moves in the open court the way that he is and then making the nice reads. There's a ridiculous amount of fake passes. I swear that every time that Domas has the ball, there's three or four just quick face fake passes. The ball's constantly moving, and he's trying to get people to guess uh, where he's going to be going. Um, got a question in the chat here. Is Mike Brown's coaching staff coaching Nigeria? They are not. Um, I- I'm starting with Sabonis here. Going to end up getting to Metu, but no. Mike Brown, Luke Laux, and... Um, and who am I forgetting? Jordy Fernandez have not been coaching the Nigerian national team. Um, but but we'll get around to Nigerian a little bit here. I'll, that's who I'll cover second after I get through Sabonis. But these other teams, they paid F- Finland twice. That is um, Lithuania and DeMontis Sabonis' team. They played Spain twice, which Spain has some quality NBA players on their roster. You think of both the Hernan Gomez brothers. So Bo Cruz and then Willie Hernan Gomez. And then you also have uh, Usman Garuba and, you know, a lot of EuroLeague players on that Spanish team as well. They've played them twice. And then they've gone up against the Netherlands, Hung- Hungary, I hope I'm saying that right, and uh, Montenegro. And those last three teams, from what I remember, didn't have any NBA players on them. But it is notable that, again, five of these seven have been friendlies for Lithuania, but Lithuania is undefeated. Um, so far. And a lot of that has to do with DeMontis Sabonis, who is running their offense. And 
playing in that too big lineup. There's a lot of post-ups, like I said, and he's getting double teamed on the catch. It, a lot of teams, I think it, this is probably what we'll see next year, will end up double teaming him on the dribble. So once he catches it in the post, um, kind of just waiting until he puts on the ball, to, once he puts the ball on the floor, then that second man will come over and commit as that help side in, in the double man. Um, but in Lithu- in this Lithuanian international games he's getting doubled the second he catches the ball and he makes extremely quick reads there's a lot of times that he's actually still putting the ball on the floor and finishing on either side with both hands around the rim finishing through contact obviously he's still a rebounding machine Um, getting about 6.4 boards per game is the average through the seven and just to go through all his numbers and it's important to keep in mind by the way through everything that I say here today that the FIBA international games are 40 minutes compared to the typical 48 that you see in NBA basketball. So got to keep that in mind with these numbers. They're all going to be a little bit lower because of the minute totals. Um, also in the chat here, we got 999 Shill. What's up, Brendan? What's up, man? What's up, man? Appreciate you coming on here. Um, anybody that happens to be listening to the recording, I'm also doing a live stream of this and there's always video versions of these podcasts as well available on YouTube um, and that's King's Pulse and then on Twitch it's Brendan NBA and happy for you guys to hop in these live streams and be interacting with me back and forth and throwing questions my way Um, it's a good time for sure so DeMontis Sabonis' averages again 40 total minutes in these games he's actually only averaging 24 minutes uh, per game which you're going to see later like Keita and Metsu average a lot higher numbers there um but Sabonis is staggered with Valanchunas a little bit there's a decent amount where they play together but they're also uh staggered a good bit obviously those are the two stars of Lithuania's team they also have like Rokas I think it's Jakobitis is how you say it and Ignas Brozdinkis who was a previous uh Knicks draft pick I think he was actually drafted by the Kings and then traded to the Knicks if I'm remembering that correctly, uh, on draft night. So technically like a Kings draft pick, but drafted by New York. And yeah, Sabonis, I mean, just running the offense through him. In those 24 minutes, he's averaging 11.7 points on 68.6% from the field. That 68.6% is super impressive. Um, His field goal percentage, he's been ridiculously efficient. And then obviously the rebounding that I mentioned, 6.4 per game. 1.7 of those have been offensive. Um, There's not many blocks that you're getting from Sabonis, obviously, in in these seven games. We've only seen three total uh, steals as well. You've only seen two. Not all too many turnovers. There are actually three of the seven games. uh, To be fair, he does have four turnovers in three of these seven different games. But outside of that, there's one with zero, and the other ones have one. And again, he is like the primary creator for this uh for this Lithuania team. The offense is primarily running through him, it feels like in Valanchunas as well, but Sabonis kind of feels like the feature player here. And he's done a phenomenal job setting up guys. You know, it's it's kind of been as expected for Domas in my mind. Um there is the transition play, there's post ups, there's great passing. The defense, they're doing a lot of showing with him or even switching him on the perimeter um at times he's in a drop he's not phenomenal at it you know I think that this has been the thing with Lithuania's team is that 
Yes, they have these two very talented big men offensively. Uh, defensively, neither one of them is exactly difference makers. You know, I, I think that there's been times that guys have posted up DeMontis Sabonis and had relative success considering that they're not exactly NBA players more often than not. Um, and his rim protection is just okay. You know, he, he does a good job moving his feet on the perimeter, but I, I think it's more so a lesser of two maybe not ideal options. You know, Sabonis isn't the greatest defender, which is kind of as expected, right? Um, the one thing that stood out the most, he's only attempted one three in these seven games. Um, I, I think I tweeted earlier that he actually attempted zero, and I guess that's wrong here as I pull up this numbers. There is one, and that was the very first game that he played on the 10th of August against Finland. I don't remember that triple. Uh, it didn't go down for what it's worth, but that was one of the things that surprised me the most with Sabonis when he came to Sacramento last year. I was like, man, this guy just never shoots face-up jumpers, you know, like even from the elbow when he catches it, if he's open there, here and there. But I just went through and watched all his made field goals uh, in preparation for this recording. And again, I, I had already seen these games. I don't believe, unless I'm slightly remembering wrong, um, and if I am, there's maybe one or two, but I don't think that there's a single field goal that he made that was a jump shot. There's a lot of hook shots. There's a lot of and one finishes. He's been getting to the free throw line. Um, 3.6 a game. By the way, he's only knocked down 48% of those free throws, but of course, that is very low volume. Um, and I, I think that him not shooting threes is notable, you know, and I think there's two ways to look at this in like a should international play be used as a way for these NBA players to experiment and prep for the NBA or since he is the star of his national team alongside Valanchunas should he just be doing what is going to work because nobody's going to stop his post-ups like why should DeMontis Sabonis settle for jumpers in the international game when post-ups are his by far his most efficient offense and getting to the rim and he's able to do that even easier at the international level so it's kind of hard to tell, right? It's going to be a lot more important for him to hit jumpers at the NBA level, specifically alongside a De'Aaron Fox. And if there's going to be other non-shooters potentially alongside him, like if they do try line the lineups with Rashawn Holmes there as well, that that's going to be where it's more important. So not very many pull-up jumpers or any really uh, from DeMontis Sabonis or, or off the catch threes. That's not something that you're seeing very often. I know there's a lot of hype around him. Uh, workout videos, summer workout videos with Lethal Shooter and trying to kind of get all that straight. But yeah, for what it's worth, he, he really hasn't been putting up many jump shots. And I think that's fine. Again, I think there's two sides of it. And I don't know that it should be expected that these players are using their international games and some of these are important games. Again, five of them are friendlies, but there's World Cup qualifiers in here as well. Um, I don't know that it should be expected that these guys use this time as kind of experimental or testing grounds for what they plan to use in the, in the NBA. Obviously, that's where they're going to make a lot of their money, but they are representing their country here. And I get why it's like, I'm just going to go to my efficient offense and it's even easier for me to get to that at this international level. Um, what's up, guys, in the chat here? 
uh, Schematosh, and then 999 Shill. Uh, hopefully this new scheme allows for more jumpers from Sabonis. If he can hit them, it would open up the offense even more, for sure. I, I think that definitely if he can, but it's a little bit of a uh, tricky situation for kind of the reasons I think that I just laid out. It's it's not it's never going to be his most efficient offense, you know, barring some outlier growth. I, I think that it's still going to be better more often than not to get him back to the basket and and closer to the rim. So a little bit of a give and take there. That I, I think is something that Sacramento is going to have to kind of try to figure out how to balance. And that's still a little bit of a, a work in progress. But DeMontis Sabonis has been as advertised for his Lithuanian national team. And that is far from a bad thing considering just how good he really just is at the game of basketball. You know, the again, the playmaking is super intriguing. Um, his passing is phenomenal to watch I, I enjoy it so much watching him um watching him dime up his teammates and again getting out in transition so he's been phenomenal there moving on to Namias Keita and and these guys still have more games to play I believe again I, I really struggled trying to understand the format of this FIBA basketball uh, World Cup qualifiers whole tournament thing going on so my apologies there I'm more so just giving you my opinions on what I've seen from the game so far I don't have a great understanding of what is still to be played um, when it comes to Namias Keita who's been playing for the Portuguese team and by the way these are all separate separated by continents right so Domantas Sabonis is playing against other European teams Chemezi Metu is playing against other African teams um there is Alex Len playing against other European teams and Amias Keita playing against other European teams. So that's what's been going on here just as an FYI. And in the two games that he has played for Portugal, Keita that is, again, these games are only 40 minutes compared to NBA's 48. Um, Keita has averaged 24 minutes per game, 24 and a half minutes per game. And I'll actually just give you his two separate stat lines because averages feel a little bit weird when it's just talking about a two-game sample size. So the first game that he played on the 25th of August, uh, 24, uh, 25, almost 26 minutes that he played, 20 points on 10 of 18 from the field, 0 of 2 from beyond the arc, did not attempt any free throws. But along with those, 20 points on 18 shots. You see 10 boards with one of those offensive three blocks. There are three turnovers in there as well and zero assists. Um, Keita is definitely somebody that is a feature option on, on Portugal. I mean, he's the star of their team and he does a lot of his work just within the flow of the offense. You know, there's not much posting up Keita. It's setting a screen and more often than not, he's the biggest guy out there on both teams by a, a good margin, especially that first game stat line I just rolled through was against Romania. The second one came against Cyprus, and I will say that Cyprus game, they had just nobody even close that could match his size. But Keita has been for sure a force down low on both ends of the floor. Offensively, he's done a good job um, catching lobs. They're just throwing it high where only he is able to get it. And then putting it down, I think he's displayed some nice touch around the rim. There's even these turnaround fadeaways that are going on that I don't exactly know how to feel about. I, I kind of take it as a, oh, that's cool that he's displaying really nice touch. But I don't know that that's something that you're going to see at the NBA level, obviously. Um, I think more often than not, when you're a guy that big, I 
this is something I've said with Kata a lot and something I kind of nitpick during summer league is I want him to be more physical rather than finesse considering he's this seven footer who's pretty strong but um, I, I've mentioned it a few times on the live streams and I, I've tweeted about it as well like he was pretty skinny especially comparatively to where he is now um, during his time at Utah State in those three seasons if you look back at year one his body developed so much um, in his sophomore year to his junior year to his freshman year with, I mean, his rookie year was a member of the Sacramento Kings to the second year of the Sacramento Kings. And that's something that Kate had talked about to us in media uh, prior to the summer league is that he really had been working on his body. And I think there's an aspect of him getting used to playing at his current weight, but he's displayed good touch around the rim for sure. There's good screen setting. I think I wouldn't mind for a bit more physicality. But it's hard to complain when you get a 20 and 10 game with three blocks thrown in there as well. Um, defensively, he is deterring shots. More often than not, both of these teams, Romania and Cyprus, the other ends have been settling for jump shots because why would they be driving in to Namiyash Keita? Um, there's nobody else on his team that is from that is uh, currently on an NBA roster. I'm not sure about EuroLeague rosters, to be honest, but he doesn't exactly, from what I can tell, have the most inspiring teammates. He is definitely the feature player on that team, and I think he's done a good job doing that. In the second game that he played against Cyprus, um, he had 23 and a half minutes played, 17 points on 7 of 12 from the field. He attempted one triple, but it didn't go down, 3 of 6 from the free throw line. So along with those 17 points, in 23 minutes, you have 14 boards, and six of those were offensive. Um, and then also, you do have two blocks thrown in there as well. Again, very notable that if you look at some of the clips I posted, specifically in that game against Cyprus, that stat line that I just laid out was against Cyprus. Um, there's nobody even close to big enough to be able to contain him. So those six boards, like kind of expected in a way, and it's still good to perform as you should, when you should. Um, so I don't want to discredit that, but it's also hard to take anything all too much from these games because of the level of competition. I've liked his screen setting. I think that he's body language is something I'm going to talk about a lot with Chemezi Metu. And honestly, I've been, uh, I, I don't know how to feel about that, but I, I've liked Sabonis's body language for sure. I've liked Kata's body language because all of these guys I'm going to be talking about are leaders of their teams, of their international teams. And I've really liked what I've seen from Kata as that seemingly leader of this roster. So the three-point shots that he's been uh, throwing up, he's definitely confident. I don't know that I like them. You know, like you can obviously think of that big shot he hit in the Orlando game against Paulo Banchero that was followed up by him knocking by Keegan Murray knocking down that shot after the pump fake and, and the guy flied by and that sent the game in overtime and you know Kata hit the big three and then there was the moment on the other end where uh they're Orlando shooting free throws and Paulo Banchero came up to Nemeus and was like you weren't supposed to hit that shot and Nemi said you don't know me bruh um, so he's he's definitely confident from three, and we've seen that carry over to these games with Portugal. I don't think that it's a great shot. I don't know that it's something we're going to see, especially not early on at the NBA level. I like that he's willing to take it, um, but he catches, brings it really low, almost like down to his waist, if not lower, and then comes up, and it, it's just like this slingshot. 
so he's confident, um, but it's not exactly going down for him. He he shot three of them, and none of them have gone in. He had six free throws in that game against Cyprus. Only three of them went down. I don't know that I'm looking at Keita as a shooter projecting him long-term. There are three assists in that game against Cyprus. There wasn't in the game against Romania. I think that passing has been an underrated aspect of Keita's game since he came out of Utah State that we haven't seen all too much at the NBA level, but I think as he gets more reps and gets more comfortable and and adjusted to NBA game speed and and that sort of length and, and physicality of the game at that level, that we'll see more of that. But... I think it's definitely been intriguing what we've what we've seen from Nimi, you know, in these two games, um, 56% from the field, and he's playing about 23 to 26 minutes a night. Again, these games only go for about 40 minutes. So I believe that Cato will play more games. Um, I'm pretty sure all these guys will, but I, I honestly, again, am not 100% sure. I'm kind of just checking each day, okay, who has a new game available for me to watch. Um, and Kate has been all right, just somewhat as expected you know nothing that pops out all too much and it as a good or bad thing which dominating at this level is what he's supposed to do and that's what's happening and that's a positive within itself nfl sunday ticket is now on youtube and youtube tv which means that it just got easier to be an nfl fan even if you live far away like maybe you like the bears but you're hibernating in panthers territory but with nfl sunday ticket your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Now streaming. Shots! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Now streaming only on Hulu. When it comes to Chemezi Metu, this is probably who I have the strongest opinions on. Because again, these other guys are kind of just doing what you expect, right? And in a way... Chemezi Metu is kind of doing what I would expect from him also. Um, like the takeaway with Sabonis is that he's not shooting any jumpers, right? That's that's the main takeaway, I guess, here. For Chemezi Metu, for sure the guy on the Nigerian national team. He's played five games this summer. Two of them did come in July, early July. There's um, There's one that was on the 7th, or I'm sorry, on the 1st of July, and there was one that was on the 3rd of July. And those two games, um, he's played well. Um, we'll we'll go through his averages here through the five. But important to note that the first two were the beginning of July, and then the later three have been in August. They're actually three days in a lo- in a row um, where he's played on the twenty sixth, twenty seventh, and twenty eighth. I, I playing three days in a row is it is pretty crazy but that's what we've seen happening so throughout these five games Chemezi Metu's averages again they only play 40 minutes and he's averaging 33 he is out there pretty much the entire game I mean there's a game where he played 37 minutes and 42 seconds there's a game he played 38 minutes and three seconds a 35 minute game a 33 minute game really the outlier is this 126 minute game that he played against Guinea 
when Nigeria was kind of whooping their ass, so they let them chill a little bit. Um, also important to note on these Nigerian teams, as I said earlier, someone in the chat asked, um, there is no Mike Brown, there is no Luke Laux, there is no Jordy Fernandez. Also, on the Nigerian team, there is no Chima Moneki, there is no Kezi Akpala, and so when it comes to Kings players, there's only Chimezi Metu. And even further than that, there's no Precious Achua. There's no Gabe Vincent. Really, the only two players that we've seen on this Nigeria team has been Chimezi Metu and um, Josh Akogi. And neither one of those guys are someone that you want to run an offense through. But that's what Nigeria is working with. So this has been, outside of Alex Len a pretty tough watch to watch some of these Nigeria games. And Josh Akogi actually only played in the final two games. So the first three, Chimezi Metu was playing without him and is clearly the guy on the team. He's getting up the most shots, averaging the most points per game. And at the end of the game against Angola, for example, which has Bruno Fernando on their team and Bruno Fernando looked really good. Um, Josh Akogi had nine turnovers in that game and they elected at the end of the game we're actually just going to give the ball to Chemezi Metu and, and let him kind of try to go to work. I don't know that it was the most successful. My main takeaways from these Chemezi Metu games is that I haven't liked his shot selection. Um, but again, context makes these games tough, right? Because like I mentioned, he's the star of this team. If somebody needs to put up a shot and they need to create a bucket, like Chemezi Metu is their best option which isn't a situation I think a team wants to be in, but it's worked out okay sometimes. You know, he has a 25-point game that he also had 11 boards. He has a 20-point game that he also had 12 boards, and in that 25-point game, he went 10 of 17 from the field, and there's that 20-point game. He went 5 of 15 from the field, 5 of 14 from three, by the way. I want to say he had 17 in the in the first half of that game and, and only ended up uh, with with 20 so definitely a slower second half and to put up 14 three-point attempts in a game is ridiculous and honestly I feel like he's settling I, I feel like there's a lot of times that maybe there was a better opportunity I, I think that he needs to be a decent three-point shooter to be fully effective as a cutter because I, I think he's most efficient getting to the rim and finishing around the basket that's the most ideal version of Chemezi Metsu, right but He's got to be able to hit a shot, specifically at the NBA level, in order for defenses to close out hard. That way he can put the ball on the floor and then get to the rim and utilize his athleticism, length, and finishing ability. The shot's not going down at a great rate. I'm going to go through these numbers here. Again, in 40 total minutes, keep this in mind. He's averaging 33 minutes and 14 seconds. And then he's averaging 45% from the field, 31.4% from three on about seven a game. Um, the only game that he's made more than two triples is the game where he made five, and that's because he put up 14, which is a crazy number, again. Um, but like I said, 16.8 points, um, 45% from the field, 31% from three on seven attempts a game, and then 86% from the free throw line on four and a half free throw attempts per game. He's been rebounding the ball well. Um, 8.6 boards per game with one of those on average being offensive. I will say I've 
wish that when a shot went up, specifically on when Nigeria is on defense, that Chemezi Matu instantly found a guy and put a body on him and started boxing out. More often than not, and this got better, I think, as games went on. I would guess that this was pointed out to him. More often than not, the shot goes up and he's looking at the ball and he's running to the rim and he has good length and athleticism that he just jumps up, grabs it, and brings it down. I think that you can box out and then chase it afterwards so that way you're taking away the opposing opportunity while also still giving yourself a chance rather than, sure, you're putting yourself in a good opportunity, but you're not doing any thing to limit the other player's chance um so i i think like fundamentally i haven't loved chemezi metu's game shot selection i haven't loved um boxing out i think there's a lot of times on defense he is their rim protector i i think just the athleticism that he has he's playing the four but he might be just as big as the guy they technically have playing the five but often on on help side he's kind of their weak side rim protector and he's done okay in that aspect. He has his moments. He averages a block a game through these five. He has one game where he had three blocks. But I think we often see him often see him ball watching. And again, I think it's kind of been as expected for Metsu. Which I don't know if it's a good thing. You know, I'm somebody that honestly doesn't love Chemezi Metsu. I know there's a lot of people that are fans. I have thought that his shot selection hasn't been great at times last year. I don't love his rebounding fundamentals when it comes to boxing out. I think he has the length and athleticism to go chase boards, but I think that boxing out could be an important version of that as well. And maybe that looks better when he's alongside Sabonis where Domas can make sure to put a body on someone and then Mezzi can be the one to go and chase it. You know, like if they, if they strike that balance and that's the way that Mike Brown goes about it, I could see that working. Um, defensively like hypothetically a weak side rim protector but I think more often than not it's like he's going for a highlight right his I I think there's often times in these streams that I'm pointing out that man I wish his hands were just up earlier here instead of bringing them from the bottom and swinging them up and going for this one-handed block or he's parallel with the sideline instead of the baseline and he's going for a block rather than just being in the right spot and kind of deterring the shot so I, I think that being seeing him be more consistent and maybe disciplined on the defensive end could could be valuable so the star of this team it's hard to gauge the shot selection issues um, because he is the number one option on this team and his point guard for the two latest games has been Josh Akogi, who again had nine turnovers in a 40 minute game last time. And I really was expecting when I looked at that turnover number for it to be like 12, like Josh Akogi initiating an offense is not pretty and neither is Shemezi Matsu. So like the shot selection is just going to come with the territory when he's the number one guy on a team. But I think that I would have liked to see him you know, maybe show off a little bit of playmaking. That's never been a strong suit of Chemezi Metsu, but I think that when you're the number one option out there and there's so much focus on yourself that there are more opportunities. There's been a couple times where I'm like, oh man, that guy was open on the weak side in the corner above the break and Chemezi Metsu just didn't notice it and didn't make the read. And that's not something that we've seen from him, but I would hope that as a number one option, I would have seen that a little bit more than we have because again, all these shots that he's getting up, 
in these five games, he's averaging less than two assists. There's only been one game that he's actually had more than one assists. Um, and he's had at least a turnover in every single one of these games. There's one where he had five. There's another game where he had three. So I think Chemezi Metu's kind of been what I expected. Um, but I say that as somebody that honestly doesn't have the highest expectations of Chemezi Metu. So take that for what you will. And uh, I hope you don't hate me because I know that there's a lot of uh, pretty big Chemezi Metu fans out there. I guess I just don't quite qualify and. Personally, I, I think that there's a battle in my mind in training camp of like, I, I don't think it's a lock that Chemezi Metsu makes the roster. You know, maybe that is not the way that the coaching staff looks at this. I, I definitely see the potential of Chemezi Metsu and where the intrigue lies there. Um, but he just doesn't quite do it for me. As a complimentary player, I think his cutting is something that should be really intriguing and helped to be optimized and unlocked by playing alongside DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, in the chat here, you see someone says, uh, the version of Metu we saw in the first half of Sabonis's game is ideal IMO. Agreed. I, like Playing off of DeMontis Sabonis hypothetically should really benefit Shemezi Metu. So I think that this is one of the few guys that the context maybe isn't great for him. Um, but... Again, kind of as expected in my mind for what we've seen from Chemezi Metu. The very last guy is Alex Len, who's been playing for the Ukrainian team. He's actually playing the four. Um, they have a 7-2 guy alongside him, and Alex Len is out here spacing the floor. Um, not like crazy. You know, the, the first game that he played against Slovenia, he put up three triples, made one of them. In each game after that, he's only attempted one and not made any. I think he's displayed some okay touch around the basket. He's a solid rebounder, but also those numbers are a little bit skewed because, again, he's playing the four. And there's oftentimes that because that's what's happening, he's in the corner on offense. Um, so it's weird context for Alex Len, and his only other NBA player has been Svi Mikhailuk, who only played in the most recent game that they played against Iceland. And to go through Alex Len's numbers in these four games he's played, he's averaged just under 19 minutes per game. Again, only 40 total. And he is averaging 46.4% from the field. Again, he's attempted uh, six total threes and only knocked down one of them. When it comes to free throws, he's attempted six of them and knocked down four. So he's at 66% there. And the rebounding, like I mentioned, he's playing alongside another big, which changes these numbers for sure. But he's averaged 3.8 through these four games. Um, there's a game he had five, game he had six. And then aside from that, he's had two in, the, in each of the most recent games. Um, some of these are offensive. He's, um, you know, of the 3.8, about half of them, a little bit more, a little less than half have been offensive. Um, and, and then there is, of course, rim protection that you're getting from Alex Len. Again, it's complicated because they're playing him at the four. I don't think the context of the Ukrainian roster has been the kindest to Alex Len. But he, through these four games, he's managed uh, five total blocks. And I, I just think that like Alex Len looks like he's in decent shape. I, I think that he obviously had a very complicated year last season, right? With everything that was going on in the world with... Ukraine, there is DeMontis Sabonis coming in, and therefore Rashawn, Rashawn Holmes goes to the backup role. 
There's also, obviously, Tristan Thompson was on the roster for a little while. There's still Namiya Keda. Um, I, I think that there is a debate of like who should the third string center be between Alex Len and Namiya Keda. Personally, I think that Alex Len is going to be the most productive right now. I still think that Alex Len is a solid backup in the league. I, I think that he looks like he's in decent shape. He can pull an occasional three, I guess. There was one year in Atlanta that he shot about two and a half a game. I want to say it was about 36% from the field. I probably shouldn't just ballpark and can pull it up real quick um, just to verify. But yeah, there was one year he shot 2.6 per game and it was 36.3% from three. Um, So I, I guess there's a little bit of potential there, but mainly what you're getting from Alex Len is a big physical body who is a solid screen setter who is has good touch around the rim and I think it's just overall a smart player you know I think he runs uh in a straight line a lot quicker than most seven footers do and does a decent job getting up and down the floor and you definitely have to play him in a drop coverage though right if he's asked to move his hips all too much and be try to move laterally it's not going to go well switching is not something that you're going to want to do with Alex Lynn or showing or anything like that um and admittedly, I've only seen two of these Alex Len games so far in uh, these Alex Len Ukraine games. I'm planning on getting to the other two today on the live stream, which again, twitch.tv slash Brendan NBA. Uh, sorry to self plug, but I do really have a good time and would really appreciate anybody joining me on those. They're super enjoyable. I'm planning on watching Len, Len's two Ukraine games, um, a little bit of Malik Monk's best games from last year to get a better idea of some of his scoring and playmaking and, and engage for just where he's at defensively because some people say that he's oh maybe not that bad I don't I don't exactly know how I feel about that so I'm going to try to get a better gauge there and then also going to watch DeMontis Sabonis's third game as a member of the Sacramento Kings and going to be breaking that down Um, I'm doing a lot of replaying and and drawing on the screen and highlighting things like that so again check that out later today and I'm going to do them pretty often at uh, twitch.tv slash Brendan MBA. It's not happening on YouTube because YouTube doesn't appreciate it for copyright reasons. But definitely check that out on Twitch. Um, I'll be watching these other two Alex Len games. And they honestly are the toughest watch. But that's pretty much all I have on these four international performances that we've seen from different Sacramento Kings players. You know, Matthew Dellavedova has not been playing. Uh, Australian, obviously, has not been playing there. Um, again, no Chima Moneki or Casey Akpala playing for the Nigerian national team. I really wish that was the case. It would make that a really enjoyable experience to have three different Sacramento players on that roster, especially if Mike Brown was coaching Mike Brown, Jordy Fernandez, or Luke Laux. If any of them were a part of the coaching staff, I think we'd get a better feel for how maybe they want to utilize these guys. Um, but that's where we're at. You know, I, I think to go back to, I'll go through again one time the most notable thing, I think, for each one of these guys. Um, quick spark notes. DeMontis Sabonis in the seven games that he has played, um, not taking any jumpers, but I think that's fine. He's been as advertised, a great finisher, a great playmaker, and solid moving his feet on defense on the perimeter, a, a lot of showing, and then, and then a good job recovering. When it comes to Namiyash Keita, He's the biggest guy out there by far, and I think he's done a good job of op- using that to his advantage. You know, 20 and 10 games, I-, I think, are kind of to be expected for Cato when he's playing teams like Cyprus and Romania. And that's what we've seen. There's good rim protection from him there as well. He's playing with a jumper. I don't love it, but there's moments. Um, when it comes to Chemezi Metu, he's a number one option. I, d- I don't think it's the most ideal context for him, but he's 
getting shots up. And if, if you want to get a gauge for kind of his potential of self-creation, which I personally don't feel great about. Um, but if you want to get a gauge for that, you can watch some of those games. And um, that's where Chmetsi Metu has been at in a little bit of weak side rim protection. He's very raw. You know, I, I think you're either getting a highlighter or a really bad play from Metu, and there's not really much of an in-between. And for somebody that's already 25, I think you would maybe hope he's a little bit further along, but it's been interesting to keep tracks on track on when it comes to Alex Len context has been really tough. Again, him playing the four is just not the most ideal, but he looks like he's in good shape. And I think that's something important for Len when he had such a complicated year last year, but that's going to do it. That's all I got for this episode, guys. Again, um, if there's, there are people in the chat here, if any of you actually want to throw questions my way, I can do like a final potential like slight q a segment if any of you guys have questions about these international performances or or anything kings related really um basketball related you could ask me a random question on how i feel about some food for all i care i don't know if you guys have any sort of questions definitely let me know as i start to wrap this up um but there's going to be more international games that take place and i'm going to be streaming them again twitch.tv slash brendan nba hate to plug myself once again but I, I do think that if I, I've had a lot of people ask me where can I watch these games and I've been streaming them and there's VODs there and you can go back and watch those as well. Um, I, I'm taking requests on what to watch as well. We've watched two of Kevin Herter's, his last two play-in games. I've been really impressed with what I've seen him, from him defensively and as a communicator and connected piece on offense. He actually, I didn't realize this, had the game securing kind of ice the game in Atlanta's second play-in that they played against the Cleveland Cavaliers and cemented their spot into the postseason. Stole the inbound. Cleveland, uh, Atlanta had a bad possession. Cleveland got the board down three with, I want to say, 15 seconds or so. And then um, he stole the pass. And that is what ended up uh, kind of securing their trip to the postseason. I, I've been really impressed with him on defense, but that's been some of the stuff we're watching. Uh, someone asked, can we get the link in the chat? I, I did just uh, link it there, and I'm throwing it up on the screen as well. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Uh, throwing it up on the screen as well for anybody that might be watching this pod on YouTube that's interested in checking that out. I usually try to go a little bit later in the day because I think that's what people like. It's you know, somewhere between like two to five, I'll start and then go for anywhere from like two and a half to four or five hours. Um, just kind of, I'd be watching this film anyway, so I figured I might as well just stream it and, and see what's going on. So I appreciate everybody in here. Obviously, take a look at the King's Herald for all the great work from all the guys and gals there and keep their patreon to support local independent kings coverage and if you enjoyed this episode of the king's pulse podcast please subscribe rate or follow i guess it is now rate and review and you'll hear from me again in the next couple of days